Brother Preacher, thanks for coming. Thanks for being a blessing to us. Appreciate your ministry. May God bless you as you preach tonight. Brother Bob Holmes. God bless you. Thank you. Young people, I mean this. That was worth waiting for. How many are glad they stuck with it? And God was exalted because of it. How wonderful. Well, I got news for you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and Duke's mayonnaise. <laughs> I'm sold. My wife is sold. We just don't know if they sell it in Knoxville. If they don't, the whole place needs to shut down till they get it. But it was good. Loved it. And uh, I'm glad to have John Shaberko with me tonight, a real prayer warrior in my ministry. Would you give him a hand and just stand up and say hi? Or just wave at him. There you go. All right. So appreciate him coming out and thank God for my wife being here. She was so grateful for uh, the, you know, the gift that you gave her and just how wonderful you, you thought of her. And this is a wonderful time to be together. How many are glad we'd rather be here than anywhere? And especially with what we're going to hear about this. And how many are glad this is the answer? Father, help us as we deliver this tonight to be here from you. So help me to sit down as far as Bob Holmes and... And Lord, help, I pray you'll stand up and just speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at Hebrews 4 with me. I want to speak on let the Bible pierce you because it's a sword. <clears throat> I'm glad this Bible can pierce. No matter how cold we are, how many are glad the Bible can still pierce us? So in Hebrews 4.12, look at this verse. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What a mouthful. It can pierce me, and I can find out even the very intent of why I'm doing something. You're here tonight, let the Holy Spirit pierce you because he's got a message for you. And that's this, the Bible is sharper than a two-edged sword. How many believe we got a Bible that can sure do a work? Right? The Bible. So let's see what the Bible says about itself. Listen to this. In Jeremiah, the preachers were not preaching the Bible. And he said in Jeremiah 23, 29, Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord? And like a hand... I was going to do this, you know. But I did that in one church and the whole pulpit split in half. But it really did. I couldn't believe it. I'm afraid to pound pulpits. But the Bible's a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Therefore, beloved, I'm against the prophets that saith the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Can you imagine a guy getting up in a pulpit and God says, you have stolen from the people because you will not give them what's the best thing in the world. How many believe this ought to never be stolen from anybody? Thank God for the power of it. It's like a hammer. So Jeremiah the prophet was a weeping prophet, but I'm going to tell you this. He preached the truth. Jeremiah 23, 16 says, you don't have to turn. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. 
and they speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. They say still unto them that despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come unto you. When we go against this Bible, evil can come unto us, and we ought to be preaching that, I don't care what year it is, how many believe it's still true? Because this never changes. And they say still unto them who despise me, you shall have peace. Wow. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran to that pulpit, right? I've not sent the prophets, but they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they, have, if they would have stood in my counsel, they would have caused my people to hear my words, that they should have turned from the evil way and from the evil of their doings. As a preacher, I want to give you what's sharper than a two-edged sword that's still called a sword, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. How many believe the only way we can defeat the devil is that book? The Bible. Everybody scream out, Bible. That's the answer. You say, well, I think with things we got to go beyond the Bible. No, sir. The Word of God is quick, powerful, and sharp enough to be the answer. Now, I'm going to share something amazing with you. In the Bible, in the book of Nehemiah, I'd like you to go here. Go to Nehemiah chapter 26, and I'd like you to see what the people did when God blessed them. And how many believe, even though things are pretty tough, how many believe we still are blessed in the nation? Amen. Nehemiah 26, 25. And I feel like praying again because I'm going to show you something I really pray will change your heart and life tonight. As soon as you find Nehemiah 26, I'm going to pray. If I didn't pray before, I'm going to pray again. If I did pray twice, it doesn't hurt. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word tonight that is so wonderful. And God, I pray we wouldn't be in danger of doing what they did back here in this passage. Speak to every heart. How many of you want God to speak to you tonight? Would you raise your hands real high? Now, let me ask you a second question. How many believe God answers prayer? Would you raise your hands? So would you right now ask God to speak to you as if you were the only one here tonight? Amen. And don't think for one second, oh, they needed this, but Lord, I need this. Help me as I preach it to not say the church needs it more than me. And I pray that you would help us to focus on what you're saying to each of us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, in Nehemiah 26, look at verse 25. And they took strong cities. Verse, uh, are you with me? There is, no, I think I had it backwards. Is it Nehemiah? Pardon? Ch chapter 9, here we go. My wife is going to come up and finish the sermon. <laughs> Nehemiah 9, and look at verse 25. I forgot to change the right chapter, but it's all good. <laughs> all right, verse 25. And they took strong cities. Are we in the right place? Yes. Strong cities and a fat land. Sound like us? With this kind of mayonnaise we eat? A fat land and possessed houses full of all goods. Wells digged. Vineyards. Olive yards. 
and fruit trees in abundance, so they did eat, and were filled, and became fat, and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. How many believe we serve a good God who wants to bless us? So, what did, we, what did these people do when God blessed them with all those things? We can read further in so many other places, all the amazing things that God did for them. Look at verse 26 and what happened to these people. Nevertheless, they were disobedient. And then it says they rebelled against thee. Now, here's an, a phrase I hope you'll circle if you mark the Bible. They cast thy law behind their backs. And not only did they do that, they slew thy prophets which testified against them to turn them to thee, and they wrought great provocations. Do you know what this is saying to you tonight? The very thing that can be the whole answer, I'm going to put it behind my back. How many believe this is even the answer for real revival? Amen. But they cast it behind their back. They didn't just slowly, they went, I'm so against this, I'm just going to cast it behind my back. Wow. And how many believe the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path? Amen. If the Bible is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Okay. Here's a light. But how many believe Jesus, who's given us a Bible, has a lot more light than this thing that may put spots in your eyes? Amen. How many believe the Word of God is even brighter than this flashlight is? Amen. So, let me ask you a question. If we were to turn all the lights out in this room and in the whole building, and I was to try to locate your gymnasium. Now, I've been all over the country. You have the hardest gymnasium to find of any church I'd ever been in. When my wife and I got out of there, we did not know where we were going. But can you imagine it was all black? And I had a light like this, and I went like this. What would happen is I start walking. I would stumble. So how come so many of God's people are stumbling? Because they've cast the light of the world behind their backs. We'll go. We'll listen. But we won't heed. We'll do this. Preach whatever you want. I'm never really changing. I will say to the preacher, I enjoyed that. But do we cast it behind our backs? They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want the prophets to preach it to them, and they even killed them. Can you think right now of a scripture that you're not willing to obey? And you're rebelling against it. Now, you might like a lot of the Bible, but there's certain things you just don't like. Now, how many of you believe all of it is true? Amen. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, listen very, very close. Is there some scripture that you say, I'm not willing to obey? Saul said the people, right? The people are the reason that I didn't do everything God said to do. And God said, you've turned back from following me. So how many believe every word of this book ought to be in front of us and not behind us? Now, 
They killed him. They provoked God to anger. Notice how it says they wrought great provocations. In the word provocation is the word provoke. So I know some people who provoke me. And they get me so angry that I want to put my fist through something. I'm provoked. None of you want to have God provoked with you casting any truth behind your back, right? How many believe that we ought to keep the Bible, this precious book, in front of us at all times? But they didn't do that in the Bible times, in this verse. Now listen to Psalm 119, 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. I'll stumble. Where's the gym? It's right over here, right over there, and then down this hall, and then through this classroom. But if it's dark, I can't see where I'm going. Go ahead and preach be faithful to church, but I'll just decide which services I want to go to, and this is what they do. Oh, where, how come I got so deep in sin? What happened to me? The entrance of thy words giveth light, and it giveth understanding to the simple. So how many believe that along with reading it here, hearing it here, we ought to hear it in our homes also? So it's important that we let it enter, because the entrance of thy word giveth light. How many are glad you're in a church where they enter with the scripture? Right? Man's been faithful here. But you say, well, uh, it enters, but I kind of... Cast it behind me. It entered to me, but I kind of, you've heard the old slogan, let it in one ear and out the other. Listen, we wonder why we're not defeating the devil. How many believe it's time the devil runs from us? If you resist the devil, he will what from you? Flee. How many think we ought to see the devil flee in the future days? What's the answer to this? Let the word enter... Obey it, repent of what you know it pierced you with, and get, the, get on a path that says, I am hungry for God to work in my life. It's sharp. Sharper than a two-edged sword. Hang on. How are you going to defeat the devil? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And how many would agree they're taking control of a lot of people? So what should we do? How are we going to defeat all this? The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Let it enter so much, constantly. Let it enter your life. Because we are in a, we're in a wrestling match against principalities and powers, but how many believe it's still so powerful we can resist the devil and he'll flee from us? God help us to do that. We're in a warfare. And God will show you something to repent of sometimes, but then you say, well, I'll kind of see if I can somehow escape from that. Nobody can escape from God. They said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he opened 
and talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. So everybody say scriptures. I am glad for the Bible tonight. How about you? Because it has the ability to work. And so great peace have they which love thy law. Now hang on to this. Great peace have they which love thy what? Law. Great peace have they which love thy what? Law. And nothing shall offend them. Nothing? You say, how come God's people are so easily offended over and over again? Because the entrance of the word isn't coming enough. And when it comes, we get, let it go in one ear and out the other. This message tonight is not a popular message, and it takes away the amens, but how many think I should still preach it? The problem is not anything but the fact we haven't let the power of this Bible enter us enough. But when it does, didn't our heart burn within us while he opened the scriptures? It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And the reason people are offended, I could go into tons of illustrations of how people get offended in churches. But how many believe churches ought to have more love than the bar room down the road? But why are so many people offended? Here it comes. Because the word is not magnified. Bible says I've magnified my word above my name, so your offenses get magnified. So now, all of a sudden, when something is magnified, and let's say, let's say I'm uh, offended by something he does to me. Well, maybe I'll just leave this revival and let him preach the final night. He said, I don't think you should do that. But here's why it happens. Why we can't let go of it. Now, watch this. When the Bible is magnified, notice I don't see your pastor. I still don't see your pastor. I still don't see him. He offended me, but guess what? The Bible is still covering that offense. How many believe this ought to be magnified more than any offense? And love it so much that your trials are blinded by the magnification of what God says. Well, I feel like quitting. Aches and pains are in my body. Well, go in this and get so excited about it that all of a sudden you don't even thinking about the aches and pains because you're getting a truth that you just can't believe how wonderful it is. When offenses are magnified, you'll be offended. But great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them, because this is blinding us from all the things that normally offend. Let it be magnified. And most people leave churches, hang on to this, when their feelings get hurt. You ask any pastor, why have people left the church? Well, they got offended by COVID. Or they got offended by the behavior of somebody else. And that's why they're gone. Well, I saw a hypocrite. But I, when, how often have you heard somebody say this? When I saw the hypocrite, my pastor preaches the word, so I'm still staying where there's a bunch of hypocrites because I know I'm even to some degree. So, pastor, I'm staying. Though your deacon kicked the car the other day, I'm staying. 
And I saw his temper kicking that car, and everybody kicks a Ford three times a day. But you say, I got mad. I saw somebody get mad. I'm even offended at myself. Why should I be doing anything when I see how God has to be so merciful to me? But how many of you tonight are glad God is patient and merciful? So magnify that. I feel like quitting, but I can't quit because I don't see what's offending me anymore. Because this is so magnified to me, I don't see it. I saw so-and-so that had an affair in the church. But pastor, I'm staying because the perfect word of God is entering in every service. I thought I'd go to another church where a big crowd was because they don't mention sin, cross, or hell. But I thought I'd go there anyway because they have, have a better youth program. And they have a hard rock cafe. And I thought maybe it would, because there's more programs for the kids, they would be more rescued. Wait a minute. How many believe this Bible is more, more powerful than a cafe? Now, I'm not against, you know, having a coffee in, in the foyer, all that stuff they say. But I'm going to tell you this. This Bible ought to be entered. I thought I'd go to another church. Bigger crowd. Since when does the crowd mean it's blessed? If that was the case, the Mormon church is the greatest, you know, spiritual place in the world to go because it's got a big crowd. Since when? The Catholics must be great because they have, I don't know how many millions go to the Catholic Church. But we're not saved by penance, we're saved by God's grace. So what you ought to say is this, Pastor, I'm not leaving. Well, there's more people over there. And then I heard this, boy, I heard this. And wow, was I amazed by the fact that this is happening. Some friends of ours were in a church. You listening? They were in a church. They were raised in the church. How many of you have been in this church more than 30 years? Raise your hands. Wow. How many have been here more than 20 years? How many of you don't know whatsoever because you've been here too long? <laughs> okay. Now, all of you know this is true. Everybody knows that what I'm about to say is true. And we don't have to name names or do anything like that. But we ought to say, God, if it weren't for your grace, I would be there too. And so on Facebook, the people that grew up in the church, went to the Christian school, are following Taylor Swift. Who sings satanic songs. How many believe the devil's supposed to be our enemy? Right? Well, they even admire Taylor Swift in the church. Here's a sign on the front of a church. There will be no hellfire preaching here. Sermons are upbeat and best of all, short. You will not be referred to as sinners because our goal is to make you feel welcome. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 
This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So if a church doesn't mention the word sin or judgment or hell, close up half the Bible because it's full of Babylon. It's full of judgment messages. And so when somebody gets up and says, I got 60,000 coming to the church, but I let other people preach on hell. I don't preach on it. I don't preach and name sin. Well, put the sign up closed. The entrance of the word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Now, the entrance of every word brings light. How many are glad for all the Bible? I mean Genesis to Revelation. How many are glad it's all true? Now, wait a minute. There's two kinds of verses in the whole Bible. I get excited, I start going fast. I'm trying to slow down because I want it to sink into my own head. There's two kinds of verses in the Bible. Say it back. There's what? Two kinds. There are statements and commands. One or the other. There is a fact given to me or there's something that's telling me how to live. I'll give you an example and I want you to tell me if it's a statement or a command. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Statement. This verse, and maybe I should do another one that's just a statement, but I know you know what's coming. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Statement or command? command. All right? Command. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, we need both kinds of verses because they're all in there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Command or statement? Statement. Be followers of God as dear children, and be holy for I'm holy. Statement or command? Command. In whom you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Boy. Great. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Come in. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Come in. Now, In the last days, what people will not be enduring is the commands. Give me something that every one of us can say amen to. Let's be politically correct. Let's be a positive preacher. Don't warn. I'll say amen as long as I'm blessed by a statement. But preacher, don't you dare get up and preach to me how I should live. I just want you to open that book and soothe my ears. Why? 
listen, how many of you believe this? The Bible is perfect enough to get the job done. Let me say it again. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. So how many believe the Bible is perfect enough to always get the job done? Then why are we relying on the Rock Cafe? Why are we relying on following people that worship the devil? Why are we doing this? Because we've forgotten <laughs> it can get the job done. And by the way, how many believe it can get the job done for every generation? Amen. Not just the one we're living in. We find it good for every... Listen, concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. So God's word is supposed to never change in our heart, in our adoration, in our respect, and in our attraction. Why? It gets the job done. By the way, it gets the job done for your kids, and it gets the job done for your kids' kids, and kids' 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 kids'. kids. As a matter of fact, it's good for every generation. Say, every generation. every generation. So why do we revert to all these big crowds? Must be good. On a Christian broadcast, national Christian broadcast. Now, i got to ask you something first. How many of you believe God's word says flee fornication? Amen. What's that mean? Run away from it. Say, run away from it. Amen. How many believe that's still true? How many think we should still be preaching to the kids? Marriage is honorable and all, the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Amen. And it says, run away from it. Now, on this Christian broadcast, a woman called up and said, I have a problem with having relations with several people continuously in my church. The Christian therapist on this national broadcast said to the whole country and to her, your problem comes from a passive father and an overbearing mother. Your problem won't go away immediately. It's an addiction. And these things require extended counseling with a therapist. So find a church that would tolerate your behavior while you work with the counselor. Hey, counselor. Hey, therapist. You know what you just did? You just took the place of God Almighty. You know better than God. Even though the Bible says run away from it, you want people to gradually leave it. How many think we ought to realize the Bible's true when it says flee it? Amen. Flee it. So listen to this. He blamed her parents and suggested that she could taper off gradually from her sin under therapy. He gave the whole audience the message, have no confidence in the Holy Spirit's ability to change her immediately. And encourage the church to be tolerant of her sins until the therapy, therapy begins to work. So the ther therapist becomes the Holy Spirit. No therapist has the right to go against God's word. Hold it up, everybody. Would you keep looking at that book and say, you can get the job done? Put it on your walls on the, of your kids and grandkids. It still works. Amen. So the attack of Satan is on the sufficiency of the Bible to work. Now, I got great news for you. Jesus' name is wonderful. How many would say it's precious and wonderful? His name is wonderful. What does the Bible say about his name in Isaiah 9-6? His name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, 
Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many believe the Heavenly Father can give advice to you far better than a therapist who goes against the Bible? I don't mind Bible counsel, of course. But if somebody believes that we can go beyond the Bible and look at the, the past of this and this and this and this. Now, do we receive the words and take God's counsel when there's, if we don't, a hard life is going to come because the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Everybody say hard. By the way, I had a wonderful time in the Christian school today on listening to God. How many believe God is the best friend you could ever listen to? Best friend whose name is Counselor. So everybody's running, trying to find out what counselor will have the answer for all we're struggling with. Now, this is what happens. When you go to a, a now don't misunderstand me, there's nothing wrong with your pastor counseling people from the Bible. But if you'd rather go to somebody who has the doctor's degree, who says a lot. Now, I know there can be physical problems called, you know, all that. But when it comes to the way we think about our behavior, that we can't pull ourselves up with our own bootstraps, and it's not self-esteem that's going to help us because he must increase and I must decrease. So what you've got to do is say, all right, if I follow the therapist, I'm doing this. And I'm going to stumble. Because that counselor is not as good as Isaiah 9-6. Wonderful. Isn't he wonderful? And right after wonderful, it says counselor, because you'll never find out he's wonderful until you take counsel from him. Right? And the way of the transgressor is hard. So we hop around. Let me see who might have an answer for my wayward child. Look at the sign you put up in your room. It gets the job done. Put it in your car. <laughs> it gets the job done. Put it on your pew that you sit at every time you come to church. It gets the job done. So preacher, preach to me. I want to be pierced. Amen. But I want to take it. Why? I need to take it. I need God to preach to me. Otherwise, I'm doing this, and I'm going to have a hard life if I keep going that way. Right? I remember I was in a church. My wife was with me, and a lady got madder and madder the harder I preached. She even threw her arms back like this and went, oh, remember that? And she stood up and whammed my wife with her purse when she had an abscess tooth. <laughs> and going out the door she did not greet me she curled her nose up at me and looked me up and down and said you made me sick I didn't know what to say I said I'm sorry you're not feeling well I didn't know exactly what to say <laughs> and uh, we, had a, we were from Maine at the time and we had Maine plates and she put a sign on the windshield go back to Maine and stay I was in Tennessee at the time Go back to Maine and stay. He's a great counselor. And we ought to never apologize that the book is the answer, even when somebody is whapping your wife with a pocketbook. I just invented a new word, whapping. <laughs> Whacking, I should have said. But you can get counsel from the great counselor. And how many believe he is the great I am? 
Well, Hannity, when you called that other reporter, um, the, the great I am, <laughs> you know, you're the great one. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Can you? Mark, Levin. Mark Levin. He's called the great one. There's only one great one. <laughs> only one. And we find out about him here with something that can get the real job done. So, God's word is always God's will. You're, and that means this, you're always safe to follow the Bible. How many believe your kids and grandkids are safe if they follow the Bible? Bring them tomorrow night. I've got a message that I want to see every person here. I mean, it's so vital when I'm going to preach tomorrow night. God's word is always God's will. Pierce me, God. Open me up so the cancer tumor can get out. One lady, she found out the Bible was powerful. The pastor was witnessing to her, and every time he quoted a verse, guess what she said to him? That's nonsense. But he that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God abides on him. How many believe that's true? Amen. Now, she said, I don't believe that. It's crazy. He quoted it in the conversation a second time. Nonsense. I don't believe that. Somehow he weaved it in to where 30 different times he said, He that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God abides on him. After the 30th time, she got saved. I want Jesus! I need him! Why? Pierce, Pierce, Pierce. I could say this 30 times. Pierce. Pierce, and what happened? God used his word to pierce because God's word always fulfills why it's set out to do something. His word will not return void, which means there's no emptiness from preaching. It's not void and empty. It has a purpose. How many are glad this Bible has a great purpose for all of us? Psalms 100 verse 5, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Somebody wrote this, I love it. Century follows century, there it stands. Dynasties succeed dynasties, but there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, but let's all say it, there it stands. Why don't you yell it out like you're at a Super Bowl game? There it stands. There it stands. Century follows century. There it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, but there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, but there it stands. Despised and torn to pieces. There it stands. Storms of hate swirl around it. Atheists rail against it. By the way, this type of sermon I'm preaching tonight an atheist organization, and it was called Freedom from Religion. They have 4,000 atheists. And my lawyer was saying, do you want me to get down what they put up on that internet from your website? Guess what I was preaching? The Bible pierces us. And I said, 
Go ahead and put it up there. I'll trust the Lord. Because 4,000 atheists need to hear something that could still pierce them. And uh, I thought it might shut the whole ministry in public schools down, but instead more things happened than I ever dreamed would happen. So atheists rail against it. There it stands. Unbelief abandons it, but there it stands. Some predict its abandonment, but there it stands. A best-selling book sells over 250000 a year of books. I'm sorry, makes $250,000 a year to be considered a bestseller. The Bible... <laughs> sells $125 million a year. How many believe we've got a bestseller? Amen. So will you receive it? Will you come to church through the back door and say, if I'm not pierced, I didn't get what I should have come in for? Now, I believe God still encourages us and all that. But when you come in, how many believe sometimes we have to face our sin before we can encourage us? So when you come through that back door, you ought to say, God, step on me. Help me to get what I need. Amen. Yeah. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart and use your word to do it because your word has the ability because the Bible works. Amen. It gets the job done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So believe it enough to practice it, because it's practical, we ought to practice it. Amen. God says, forgive each other. Seventy times seven. Right. Well, I don't think it would do any good, because that never does any good with that person. <laughs> forgive how much? So why did God say this? Because he's going to have to forgive us a lot more, too. But why did he say it? Because we're going to offend each other over and over again. And we need forgiveness and we need to give it. So the person next to you, look at him right now and say, I expect you to offend me. And now say this. Uh, some of you aren't looking at each other. But I'll forgive you 70 times 7. You've reached 490. It's over. <laughs> no, don't say that. But what God is telling us is forgive each other over and over and over again. And how many believe that would help a local church a whole lot? Right? But how's it going to happen? Pierce me and help me to see someone after you're, and while you're piercing me that I haven't forgiven. Let his face come in my mind. He may be in the service. He may not be in the service. He may be a thousand miles away. But God, put in my mind who it is that I haven't forgiven. The entrance of the word brings light so we can overcome daily with the Spirit's sword. So, are we going to do this? Or this? Order my steps in thy word. You can keep directing me with the word because it works. So keep it in front of you all the time. Hang on. The Bible is precious. We are told to do this with it, all through the scriptures. Keep it, walk in it, respect it, learn it, take heed to it, don't wander from it. Hide it in your heart. Teach it. Declare it. Rejoice in it. Meditate in it. Delight in it. 
Behold it, long for it, don't err from it, seek counsel from it, talk about it, choose it, stick to it, run with it, observe it, trust it, open it, that does help. Don't be ashamed of it, love it, lift it up, be comforted by it, sing it, think about it, believe it, don't forget it, follow it, esteem it, stand in awe of it, and praise God for it. How many are glad for your Bible? And we're told to do all that with it. So sing them over to me again. Wonderful words of light. Right? Let me more of their beauty see wonderful words of light. Standing on the promises, I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. How are we going to do this? Resting in my Savior as my all in all. How many believe he's all we need? So when we say Jesus is all we need, this is all we need because he is the word. Standing on the promises of God that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by love's strong cord, <laughs> overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword. Standing on the promises of God. I love God, someone says. And you better love what he says, because he that hath the commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Yeah. How many want to love God more than you ever have? Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, help us to realize that loving you means to respect what you say. We say to our kids and grandkids, if you listen to me, I really love you, but please listen to what I'm saying. And God's word is full of this. Around six or so kids raised their hand for salvation in chapel today. I'd like to ask you a question. If you were to die right now, are you glad Jesus went to a cross for your sins and that you can call upon him to be saved? Because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is there anybody here tonight that would say, I want to call on Jesus to save me? Would you raise your hands real high? Wonderful. I see a couple of gentlemen over here. I'm not saying, have you received Christ in the past? I'm saying, how many want to receive Christ right now and get your eternal life settled? If you want to be saved, you can come to this altar right now and somebody wants to pray with you and help you from the scripture know you're saved. If you raised your hand and meant it, would you meet me here at the front? Meet your dear loving pastor right here in the front. And say, Pastor, I want to be saved tonight and know it. I want to know it. Now, I'm not sure who to even ask to chat with folks that do come forward. But I'm glad some of you have made sure of it tonight. And you've called upon the Lord right now. Just say, oh God, you commended your love toward me. And that while I was a yet sinner, you died for me. And I call on you now to be my savior. Lord, I've been a church person. I've been faithful to church, maybe. But I need to personally receive Christ as my savior now. Call on him. Meet the pastor here at the front or me. When the invitation is given, you come. How many of you would say tonight, I am a saved person and I know Jesus is my Savior? Would you raise your hands real high? Okay.
Let me ask you a question. Is the Bible enough? Can the Bible get the job done? How many would say, I love the Bible more after hearing this, and I pray that I'll never forget how wonderful the counselor is who's given us his words as the greatest counsel so we don't have to stumble. Would you pray this now to the Lord? You are wonderful. You're my God. And whatever you said to me was said in love all through that scripture. And I don't want to cast it behind my back. I want to put it in front of me more and more. I want to meditate in it more and more because it can set me free over and over again. And then we can sing the song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And all of a sudden, when you're singing that hymn, it'll end with, God, help me to get in your word more so I won't wander more. People talk about a great revival coming to the churches and coming to America. You say, what's the secret to great revival? All the people of God saying the word of God is sufficient. Praise the Lord. I hope you're praying that. Then ask God to help you to love the scriptures more than ever. And to always post it in your mind that it works. It does the job.